0: Thank you for tuning in to the Monocle Dynasty Podcast, where we keep an eye on dynasty football. Your hosts dive deep on players, rankings, strategies, and much more. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Monocle Dynasty, and now here's your host. Welcome back to the Monocle, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. On tonight's episode, we're going to be going over the craziness of the NFL Draft and uh, kind of like a final rookie rankings. It kind of gets a little wonky in the fourth round with the craziness that did happen in the NFL Draft, so we're going to stick with like the top 36, basically. Maybe we'll throw in a, a few players here and there after that. There's not too many that we differ on, and when I say we, I have uh, my good friend Aaron Wilcox at Aaron wilcox 86 joining me tonight. Uh, how's it going, bud? It's going really well. Ready to talk these rookies. We've been
1: anticipating this for so long. NFL draft came, went, and I think it lived up to expectations. You know, there's some crazy picks like you alluded to and just excited to break them
0: down. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring Aaron on is I noticed as I created the model and it started spitting out who who it liked. I noticed that it actually matched up with a lot of Aaron's rankings and not saying that I did that intentionally or anything. I just, I just noticed that we agreed on a lot of players. And so I thought it was pretty cool because Aaron is definitely more of a film-based analyst, Uh, but he, uh, he he also does do a little bit of uh, analytics and, you know, he kind of tries to mix it all together and everything. So maybe that's why we, we kind of get a little closer than some of the other film-based analysts. But I, I just wanted to, to bring somebody on that was going to be somewhat similar, but maybe not exactly. Like, there's a couple of guys, like 2 2, uh, we don't necessarily agree on, but uh, you know, we'll get there in a little bit. But let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, first, I just want to ask you, what, what was your reaction to the draft? Um, so, a couple of
1: things. Waiting for Justin Fields to be picked as a Minnesota fan, I was kind of waiting for us. Maybe we'll trade up, maybe we'll trade up. And then it was the Bears for them that was that was a good move in my opinion for the bears to acquire him he's, he's a solid quarterback or well probably better than solid but he's for sure a um a solid starter in the nfl in my opinion so that was interesting seeing that first round unfold travis Etienne going to the jaguars that was wild and then yeah. as far as you know watching rashad bateman go to the ravens and we're all collectively. Oh, my goodness. No, no, don't nuke his value. But we can't overreact to landing spots. We, we need to react accordingly, but we don't want to have too much of a knee jerk reaction. So the first round was fun. And then after that, I was just sitting back and, and trying to enjoy it as much as possible. A little sad a couple guys didn't get uh, day one or day two draft capital, but we'll cover that today.
0: Yeah, so like I said, this pod's all about getting you guys ready for your rookie drafts. Uh, I, I've already, I've already had six, uh, so it's kind of crazy. Holy, <laughs> yeah, um, they all, they've all happened. Uh, I've actually, I mean, most of them are still going on. So it's been a, a crazy day to, to say the least. But we wanted to get you guys ready for your rookie drafts, and I still have a few coming up here in a little bit, um, and that's why we wanted, wanted to give you the consensus ranks. We'll go ahead and dive in with uh, Trevor Lawrence at 101. I don't think that's too much of a surprise for anyone. I know there's some hot take artists and stuff saying, uh, you know, uh, take Lance here, take Fields here, take Chase here, whoever. But, uh, you know, it's pretty easy in a super flex league. I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he, he obviously got the draft capital. Uh, he has the profile. He has just about everything that you would want. Um, number two isn't that far behind for me, but I just think that it's just a pretty easy one oh one.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I won't even add too much besides that. He's got um, a coaching staff, new coaching staff. That's going to get a few years probably to build around him. They have a lot of cap space. They have good wide receivers, good running backs now. Um, so they have some offensive weapons for him to work with and he's just proven it. I mean, he is one of the safest prospects for sure. He's deservedly the number one.
0: And I think that's the point of even mentioning his name is just like, if you were questioning at all, just don't, (laughs) you know, if, if you wanted to trade out, I could understand it, but if you can't, or, you know, if you're not, if you don't get what you want for it, then just go ahead and take Tila. You'll be fine. Number two for both of us is uh, Justin Fields. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Like you said, Chicago got a steal. I have no idea what the other teams were doing. Um, There's so many teams that should have traded up, should have you know, traded, did whatever they needed to do uh, to get Justin Fields. And they did not. Uh, he's honestly not that far behind uh, T-Law for me. He probably has a little bit more rushing uh, upside. You know, maybe not the complete passing profile that that uh, Lawrence has. But it's pretty close. I mean, you're, you're almost kind of nitpicking at that point. But... It's it's enough to just say T-Law at one, Justin Fields at two.
1: Yes, uh, Fields is absolutely deserving of that number two spot. It has a little bit more uncertainty with that spot just because he didn't go in the top, you know, a couple picks of the NFL draft. He fell all the way to the um, double digits. I believe it was pick 15, I want to say, but there's Alleg- a couple other guys. Okay, yep. So couple other guys who went earlier than him in the NFL draft, and I understand why that might give some fantasy owners some pause, um, just because we've seen quarterbacks fall in the past. um, Latest example, Dwayne Haskins, for example, and everybody was still taking him relatively high, um, even though the NFL passed on him repeatedly. But I just don't see that as a comparable um, comparison, and Fields has such a high floor with that rushing upside, as you mentioned. And he's actually a really good thrower as well. And Haskins only had one year um, versus Fields has a little bit more. And as far as a prospect, like coming, in, um, coming out of high school, I mean, Fields has always been highly regarded right up there with Lawrence. So in a lot of ways, he's much more safe than, than previous guys who have fallen um, past the first uh, 10 picks of the NFL draft. So I'm on board with Fields there.
0: I remember this one guy, uh, his, what was his name? Uh, Patrick Mahomes fell to 10th, uh, 10th overall in the NFL draft, and he ended up being pretty good. So I guess I'm not too concerned about the guy that fell to 11.
1: <laughs> right, or Deshaun Watson. I mean,
0: okay. yeah, or Watson. <laughs> I am just, I mean, it, the, the draft capital's there. Maybe it's not, you know, it, it's not exactly where we wanted him to go or, or anything like that. But I mean, obviously he's got Allen Robinson. I'm pretty excited for my Allen Robinson shares as well. Uh, but, Uh, Needless to say, I just, I feel like he has that complete profile Whereas, and you you mentioned it with the games played, you know, I feel like that's, that's one of the big things for me is the Mitch Trubisky's of the world. Even, you know, some of the players that we're going to talk about here in a little bit uh, that maybe don't have that complete profile because, or at least we can't say that they have that complete profile because of the games played. And so that was really what uh, cements him at two for me. I was just going to add to that. I've heard on a podcast,
1: I can't remember this um, analyst's name, but anyways, he was on J.J. Zacharyson's podcast talking about the most important traits for these quarterbacks and games played, college experience is one of them. And then also age, a, a relatively young age as well. So if you play a lot of games early into your collegiate career, that's generally a good indicator, plus draft capital. So he's hitting on all these things. The Konami code potentially as far as mobility goes Um, all those things that we covered. So, yep, he is safe.
0: I agree. Number three for both of us is Jamar Chase. And, you know, I know a lot of people are probably going to move up uh, Najee Harris uh, up there with the the pit landing spot. Um, I know a lot of people are excited about that. I can't really argue it too much. Uh, And once again, when you're up here, you're probably nitpicking a little bit, but I feel like, especially the way the draft fell, with the, the landing spots for the wide receivers and everything, even though I have a, you know, good, uh, a handful of tier one wide receivers, I feel like chase cemented himself clearly at the top, um, of that tier one. And it's, it's pretty substantial too. And so at that point, you know, I feel like I would probably just go ahead and take chase there. Um, you know, I guess it's close enough with him and Nanji if you really wanted uh, t- you know if you really desperately needed a running back, I could see going running back there. I usually don't I-, I usually try to go best player available and not worry about team needs and stuff. but you know at this point, like I feel like they're close enough to where I could kind of see it either way. Uh, but I'm definitely leaning more towards chase.
1: Yeah, the desire of dynasty owners to land a workhorse back, a back who can have a huge workload, both rushing and receiving wise is going to drive up that value of Harris. So I could see owners saying, well, I really want to lock that player up. In fact, Najee Harris, um, he could end up going earlier than Chase in, in quite a few drafts just because of that. And we know that wide receivers sometimes take time. But in recent years, we've seen the NFL more and more likely to just throw those guys out there, start targeting them early and often. And I expect the same out of Jamar Chase since he's such a uh, complete and safe, prospect and he flashes a lot of of chemistry or he has flashed a lot of chemistry i should say with joe burrow maybe i have slight concerns with burrow coming back for at least week one this season but long term jamar chase is a great investment and worthy of that uh, third overall rookie ranking
0: yeah, and we do see that you know when when teams draft guys this high, you know fifth overall, they're going to be on the field week one. It's not even a question. I mean, T. Higgins was drafted what like forty something uh, last year overall, and he still saw the field you know in week one. And uh, you know obviously they've had A.J. Green's gone, uh, you know they they've had some uh, some spots open up, and so I just I don't see any reason why Chase wouldn't be out there week one. Maybe it takes him a little bit of time to to shake off some rust, but you know if let's say if he's not truly Jamar chase until week six, I'm not going to cry about it. You know, like I'll I'll be okay with it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then as far as competition goes there, I mean, I know T Higgins, a lot of people are very high on him and I like his talent as well. There is room for both guys to produce as wide receiver ones. And I could definitely see that. So it might cap their upside slightly in the next couple of years but I do see Jamar Chase slotting in there as the number two guy long-term ahead of Tyler Boyd. So as far as people who are concerned about um, the amount of volume you're able to get will know that Joe Burrow is a competent passer for sure, and then also know that they don't really have another receiving option as far as, like, a tight end, anything like that. So three wide receiver sets, Bengals are going to be able to execute and, and provide enough volume to the receiving options there. So I don't really have much concerns with um, the volume for Jamar Chase.
0: And I already alluded to our number four player and he is Najee Harris. Uh, you know, once again, I think people are going to fall in love with, with that, uh, the workhorse back, which you cannot argue in Pittsburgh. Like they obviously, they drafted him as one. There's really no one else to be anything, you know, like and, and take away anything from him. And so I do I do love that. I don't think that the Pittsburgh landing spot is as great of a landing spot as people want it to be. You know, they obviously lost some offensive linemen this year. Um, Ben isn't really a quarterback anymore. (laughs) He's kind of just (laughs) throwing it like four yards down the field. Uh, It's just, it's not as overly exciting as it could have been, you know, maybe a year or two ago or something like that, but we know opportunity is king for running backs in the NFL and we know that he's going to have opportunities. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine slotting him, him, him in at four. And, uh, I, I don't see too many downsides except for maybe like I said, you know, if the offense is just bad because of the offensive line, because of big men, all that, then maybe he doesn't quite have as much of a ceiling as we want, but, uh, he probably has a hell of a floor though.
1: Yes, and that volume is going to make up for maybe a decrease in efficiency compared to what he's used to coming out of Alabama. But the guy, like you said, he can he can demand a lot of volume in that offense, and that's huge. And Big Ben's decline as a quarterback might coincide with a greater emphasis on the run game because we know that the Steelers are targeting their wide receivers all the time. They're, yep. they're a very pass-heavy team, so we could see a slight shift philosophy wise. And I do have slight concerns with the offensive line, but not enough to really move Najee um, down from the fourth spot overall.
0: So the next player is actually, uh, I guess we start splitting off from consensus. The first four players were, were completely uh, even uh, one, two, three, four, but now we start uh, kind of separating here a little bit. Uh, Travis Etienne is uh, our sixth consensus player. And you're a little bit lower on him but not not too much uh i just it, for you do you think it's more landing spot is it uh it, you know is it just the player in general or there or, or you would just rather have certain players over him
1: yeah so for the longest time um if listeners don't know i, I do a lot of devy and i'm also jumping into campus to canton now so i've been following these college players for a while and i've always been very high on etn and until Um, Essentially, the end of this last season, I I had Etienne as RB1. I have had a couple of concerns as far as a few aspects of his game, at least on the film side, but we can't argue with this production. We can't argue with the fact that he became a very confident pass catcher, and it already seems as though the Jaguars want to use him in a pass catching role. It's slightly concerning that the coaching staff has said that they want to use him as a quote-unquote receiving back. However, receiving back, that doesn't mean he's going to get zero carries. That means he's probably going to get a lot of the um, the hurry-up offense, the two-minute offense. He's going to be getting a lot of third down plays out there, plus some carries. And he's a guy who can handle a large workload. So anything that happens to J-Rob, Travis Etienne can step up, and he can be an absolute stud. And that's an ascending offense as well with Trevor Lawrence and the weapons that we mentioned earlier. So – I still really like this landing spot, just not quite at the level of Najee Harris. As Etn will cede some volume to J Rob, um, but we don't know how much at this time. So I'm really high on Travis Etn as a talent, as um, I know you are as well.
0: Yeah, and really for me, I think I, I've had Etn over Harris basically this entire process. But then you know after you know sitting down and really just looking at the landing spots and really thinking about it, um, I think. I think Harris is just a little safer uh, because of the opportunity share he's going to have in, in, in everything. J-Rob's not going to completely go away. It's just not going to happen. And I know people hate it when you comp ETN to Alvin Kamara. But if you really think about it, it there there's a lot of similarities as prospects, as players, um, You know, it, even size and, and really everything. Um, but also usage. Look at what happened with Kamara they had Mark Ingram, they had Adrian Peterson for a very small period of time, then they had Latavius Murray, they always had someone else there, and that someone else actually gets a decent amount of carries, Um, you know, every every game, every, every year, so, you know, Mark Ingram had, uh, I believe, 2,000 yard seasons while he was with the Saints, while Avin Kamara was there, still putting up, you know, good points and and everything, so I feel like, Whereas with Harris, we were talking about how there's going to be all this opportunity, but maybe not the efficiency. I feel like it's going to be kind of the opposite with Etienne. And so, uh, you know, if you want to bump up a couple of the quarterbacks ahead of him, I really have no qualms with that, but... I think the guy's going to be a stud. I really do. Maybe you know, maybe he doesn't have that safety net that he that you have with the with Harris, but he's going to win you weeks for sure. He's going to score you thirty, forty points uh, from time to time, and you're going to be really happy that you have him on your team at that point.
1: <laughs> yes, you are, and there's very little job security with J. Rob as well. So, I mean, the guy that they invested in first round pick with ETN, he's definitely more safe, and we know that the hit rates on first round running backs are very strong. So. We, we should expect to see him involved early.
0: Especially first-round running backs that were already highly ranked to begin with. You know, like, no one really had ETN as, like, their running back eight or anything like that. You know, everyone kind of had him up there at least one, two, or three, and then he got drafted as the second running back. So it all just kind of adds up to a very safe profile, somebody that would be excited to have. Um, na- next we have... Uh, and I guess I I don't know how that got screwed up, <laughs> but next we have uh, who should have been ahead of him, and it's Zach Wilson. Uh, for some reason, yeah, there we go. Now we're now we're in order. <laughs> so uh, so we'll just forget exactly everything that we just said. And uh, <laughs> coming in at number five, we have Zach Wilson. And uh, you know, it's kind of he's kind of grown on me throughout the process, but I feel like mostly because like you can tell the team is setting him up for success. Um and that's really the biggest thing for me. When you get some of these quarterbacks even when they get drafted early, but they have no one around there, them they have a terrible offensive line, terrible coach, uh you know just you can tell the team just isn't going anywhere, isn't going to do anything. It's really hard to believe in them. Now Wilson, for me, is a little bit riskier of a prospect than your Justin Fields and your Trevor Lawrence's, uh, because, like we were saying before, with the games played. Now he he definitely has more games played, but it's a, uh, a, it's an, you know, it's in a lesser conference than obviously the other two were uh, were dealing with, especially last year in the COVID year, uh, playing up against just about no one because of, of the way everything worked out with the conferences, but um, but it's more that. He didn't really play at an elite level for that many games. He kind of, he kind of only played at elite level for the one season. Other than that, he played at kind of like a decent level, and so that was always my concern with uh, Wilson. But you know, you see, I was talking about the tier one wide receivers before how I have a handful of them. They add one of those tier one wide receivers to the team on, and they already have two receivers that I'm pretty you know excited about. Anyway, um, it's. Like I said, they're setting him up for success. Now that doesn't guarantee anything, but I I feel a lot more comfortable drafting him onto one of my teams now than I did even like a week or two ago.
1: Absolutely. Yep. They're giving him weapons and they want to build that offense around him. This isn't the New York Jets of Adam Gase. You know, this is a new coaching staff, just like it is in Jacksonville. So we have to let a little bit of our previous bias uh, just go. As far as the old Jags, yes, we know that they weren't very pretty to watch. (laughs) Same, Yeah, I mean, they really weren't. And then same thing uh, with the Jets. So we really have to have new expectations and hope that there's going to be more competent coaching going on, which I really believe there will be. And Wilson, like you said, I mean, he's very talented. His arm talent is high. and He has enough mobility. He just doesn't really have the same rushing ceiling that Fields and Lawrence do. And even another guy that we'll talk about, Trey Lance, I just don't see that same mobility factor, but Zach Wilson at the same time is not a statue in the pocket. So he at least provides enough mobility that the NFL likes to see nowadays.
0: And he has, you know, he, he does have a lot of that, like raw talent that, uh, that people get excited about, like with the Josh Allen, like that you can see him actually growing and, and developing into even a better quarterback. If he has the time to, to do it, if the team gives him the time, and with the amount that they invested in him, with you know what they're putting around him, I think they're going to give him that time, and and he's going to be able to do it. Uh, like I said, not not a lock by any means, but definitely feeling more comfortable with them. And and uh, you know, I definitely slot him in here at that five spot. But then sliding right into the next one is Trey Lance. Um, you know, once again, skipping over Travis Etienne. <laughs> but uh, so it, it's it's exactly what we said before it's just the body of work we just don't have it and you know if he did what he did for three seasons i don't think there'd be a single question mark out there and people would be excited and he might have been in the 101 conversation for people but you have the miss trubisky's you you have you have these other players that just don't have that body of work and you can point to certain things and say yeah they could be but there's no way to guarantee it and uh even with the great landing spot, even with all that, I really don't feel comfortable moving him up above any of the other quarterbacks um, you know that we've already talked about uh, even though he does have you know people talk about he might have the highest ceiling and that might be true but he probably has the lowest floor as well.
1: yeah I'm there with you completely as far as the lowest floor it does scare me a bit. And the reason I have him just a little bit lower than Zach Wilson is that lack of starting experience. We know that it's beneficial for these guys to get multiple years to develop, see defenses, and then just execute really out there as, as a college quarterback going against live competition. So the level of play, not great. I mean, yes, we've seen Carson Wentz come out of there, for example, but we couldn't bank on guys just coming out of NDSU and being able to transition easily to the NFL. Uh, So it could happen. Trey Lance is very talented. Like you said, Um, he's still in the same tier for me, this, this top tier of quarterbacks, but that's why I just have him slightly below.
0: Yeah, exactly. I just, uh, the, and I've kind of talked about it on the pod before, but as I was like getting more in depth with the model, I started thinking more of it as like a confidence factor with these players and, you know, how confident am, am I that they're going to be a stud? And, and so he does come in as my uh, fifth ranked uh, quarterback. And so, you know, it's just, it's kind of, but it's very close <laughs> with, uh with the fourth and, and fifth. So it's, it's just one of those things where like, I'd probably lean towards the upside of him. And that's why I have him, you know, still at my at QB four, but, uh well like i said he just has the lowest floor for me for sure because he could just he could never truly translate into the nfl and then everyone's just going to be like what the hell did we do
1: <laughs> yep that's for sure
0: but you know once again everyone's really excited about him uh, and i i don't think if we're tra- drafting him at seven Like, we have them here in our consensus ranks. I don't think we're getting them very often. So, you know, it's kind of showing you, like, we're trying to build a little bit more safety into where we're getting them, and that's probably not going to work out very very often in drafts. But somebody else that we do like is going to drop down, and and then we'll be happy about that. Uh, Which brings us to our next guy. And uh, another one, you know, (laughs) it's... I I never knew where to throw Kyle Pitts into my ranks until until he got drafted at four overall and everything else that happened with the draft. I think it made it a lot clearer for me because before the draft happened, I really wanted to put a lot of these wide receivers, you know, a couple of the running backs, all that kind of stuff uh, ahead of him. But you start, you start looking at the landing spots and and the draft capital just isn't there for a lot of these guys that I was kind of hoping uh, it was going to be. And it just kind of cements pits for me, you know, in this eight spot where I think just, yeah, it it might take some time because he's a tight end and, you know, you can't guarantee it. But once again, when you get drafted at at four overall, you're going to be on the field week one. You know, you're going to be used. And with the talent that he has, um, I feel like you have the safety of the draft capital. You have the safety of uh, just the position in general, Um, a good offense. That, you know, I don't think too much is changing for that offense, really. Uh, And then, uh, you know, throw in the positional uh, scarcity and and everything else that you want to throw in there. And I just think he's a pretty good pick here at eight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That draft capital, like you said, is going to secure him some playing time. Just now, I realized, oh, gosh, what does this mean for Hayden Hurst? He's he's probably going to be rather irrelevant, even more so than (laughs) he was last year. But at the end of the day, Kyle Pitts is so known as far as his ability to be um, an outside receiver, an inline guy. Um, He definitely needs some work on the blocking department, but at least he shows some effort there. He's not just a guy who only can play outside. So he is probably going to keep that tight end eligibility, but just be a versatile weapon for that offense. And then we know that Julio's aging and Kelvin Ridley can take some pressure off as well. So this could set up really nicely for Pitts to be that third weapon for sure. And then just develop into that second weapon as Julio declines. Now, I have my concerns about Julio, yes. But as long as he's still there in that offense, that's going to draw coverage away from Pitts most likely. So I'm excited for it. It just takes these tight ends a while to really show up. So that's why I'm not taking Kyle Pitts within my first four startup picks in a Superflex draft. I'm just not willing to put in that kind of risk, just because it's so rare. It's it's not a great bet usually, even when they have fantastic profiles to be taking these tight ends um, super high in your drafts. But at some point, you, you have to pull the trigger on Kyle Pitts and his talent.
0: Yeah, and I feel like with the quarterbacks and the running backs and the wide receiver that we've talked about so far, like it just it seems very clear cut that I would rather have them than Pitts. But then after you get past those guys, I really do think at that point I'm kind of leaning towards the upside of up Pitts and, uh, and being able to kind of take over that position in your league if he does truly hit.
1: Yep, we've seen the value and the edge that a Travis Kelsey-like weapon gives you in fantasy football. So I know a lot of people are projecting Kyle Pitts to be at that level. I've heard some crazy comps that he's, you know, almost better than Kelsey, things like that. I <laughs> I don't understand it. However, he has that upside, so um, I absolutely can get on board with taking him in the middle of the first round.
0: But if you're not okay with uh, drafting Kyle Pitts, you don't want to take a tight end that early, that kind of thing. This next player is technically tied with them, So uh, it's Javante Williams. Uh, obviously, once again, with the positional scarcity, you know if you're looking for that running back, um, I really would have no issues with you putting him a- a ahead of Pitts. Um, we saw, a, I, don't, I don't know, would you call it a great landing spot? I, I think it's kind of like a good landing spot, right?
1: Yeah, I would definitely call it a good one until they figure out that quarterback position. If we know that <laughs> right. it's ever going to develop into this top offense or if it's just always going to be kind of, it is what it is. Um, but as far as competition, yes, Melvin Gordon is still there. He's there for one more year. Let's be honest. It, it's going to be the Javante show after or maybe even while Melvin Gordon's there. So I like Javante's versatility he can get on the field as far as let's say they want to just put him more as a goal line back, or maybe more as a receiving back he has multiple ways that he can get on the field and at this point in his career I, I think he has more burst I think he has more wiggle than what Melvin Gordon can provide to that offense and we know that Philip Lindsay left so the clear number two if not maybe like 1A or 1B um, Javante Williams should be so
0: yeah. You know, I was never like overly excited with Williams. He was never going to jump into the the tier one running backs, uh, but he was always kind of like cemented in that tier two, as long as he got the draft capital, which he did. Um, so, I, but I feel like we saw in college that he never truly took over his own backfield. Now, Michael Carter got drafted early uh, in, in his own right in, you know, in, in the NFL draft. And um, he, he's not, I don't think he's a scrub or anything <laughs> like that, but right. you know, we kind of, we always saw, you know, that even his college team wanted him to split carries, you know. Whether that's uh, something in his profile, he just, you know, they don't feel like he can truly be the workhorse, or whatever it is. Maybe he's just one of those complementary backs. Um, you know, I, I really truly don't know what it is, but Melvin G- Gordon's getting older. Uh, he never. He never truly took over from Philip Lindsay. He never took that job from him. So I think that Javante is a better running back than Philip Lindsay, um, or at least maybe he has higher upside than Philip Lindsay. I I don't know. Uh, I don't want to hate on Lindsay. He obviously did some good things, but mm-hmm. I just feel like he definitely Javante definitely could take over. But at the very least, with the draft capital they gave him, he's going to have a role. Um, you know, if, even if they just use him like they use Lindsey, he can probably still, you know, be a good flex player for you. I'd probably take Pitts over him, but if you desperately need running back, you know, I really don't hate it there. Yeah,
1: and I have compared Javante Williams to Josh Jacobs actually in the past. Not only the play style, but then also like the college comparison too, where Josh Jacobs was never a workhorse at Alabama, yeah. and I mean a lot of that was competition, but. Javante Williams was sharing the backfield with another guy who got drafted. um, I guess not as highly as we would have hoped, but still got drafted in the mid rounds of this draft. So um, Javante Williams definitely is a guy who he couldn't be denied some playing time, but like you said, he didn't dominate truly the same way that Najee Harris or Travis Etienne did um, down the stretch in their collegiate careers.
0: Yep. Our next guy is somebody that a, a lot of people, at least up until the draft, were pretty low on. But uh, we're actually tied here. We both have him, have him at ten, and um, he is Mac Jones. Uh, I don't know how you feel about the landing spot, but you know Jones has always been uh, right there in that tier one of quarterbacks for me. The, the model really likes him. Um, it, it it just it, you know it's all based off of the productions, based off of what he did. Um, but and but he also he has. a a little bit more of the safety because even though he didn't play a lot of, a lot of games, you know, what he did in those games, he, you know, he truly did, you know, produce at an extremely high level. Uh, But the model also has that, that risk built in. And that's why he's sitting at at five for me because he only played, I think he only started when it was all said and done uh, like 15 games or 16 games. I I forget exactly what the number was, but it wasn't that much more than a Trey Lance uh, but obviously, he he's going to a good spot. We know, uh, you know, or at least I guess we're hoping that it's a good spot. Uh, you know, with the coaching and and everything, it, it's hard to say because it's been 20 years of the same quarterback. But he lands in New England, and uh, you know, just the in a superflex league, give me a quarterback at 10, and uh, you know, I'm pretty happy with it. What what are you feeling about Jones?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he can take over an offense as far as. Uh, leading it well, not exceeding expectations, but playing within the structure of an offense, I I should specify. And he's a guy who can definitely give you QB2 numbers. Um, Let's say that he gets a consistent starting role this year. I think that he's going to be able to execute an offense well. Um, He's a smart kid besides when he's getting DWIs. Um, So he's uh, (laughs) – I I guess I don't know all the details there. But anyways, (laughs) as far as, like, his play on the field, um, the guy – Played really, really well at Alabama. I know they had an amazing supporting cast, but he showed off that arm. He showed very good ability on reads. His accuracy was solid. He actually maneuvers within the pocket very well. He does a lot of the things that you want to see out of a pocket quarterback. But at the end of the day, he doesn't really have that rushing upside. He's a little bit less safe, both landing spot-wise, because we don't know the Patriots uh, receiving core to be that, Great of a squad, really. And like you said, we've only seen really Tom Brady excel there, besides the little flashes of Cam Newton last year. But what whatever is left of Cam Newton, I should say. But um, <laughs> at this point, I think that Mac Jones can take the job at some point this season. And he's not a bad bet. Um, we know that the scarcity of the quarterback position should uh, make us uh, have to reach a little bit for a Mac Jones type of guy but he's a safeish pick I would say so I have no problem with him at, at the late first level
0: yeah and I actually had him a little bit lower uh, you know going into the NFL draft but I feel like if we had gotten some better landing spots for some of these other players that maybe we'd still be talking at uh, about him at like a 201 or a 204 or even or something like that. But we just didn't get the landing spots, you know, that we were hoping for. Um, At least I I don't know about you. I didn't. (laughs) That's for sure. And so I feel like that's where you just start looking at the safety of the position. Like, yeah, maybe he's not going to ever be the QB one, you know, for uh, dynasty purposes, fantasy football purposes. But we know that he can be a safe QB two at the very least. I actually think he can break into that QB one. You know, just like we've seen, maybe not every year, but you know, certain years. Uh, just like we've seen with other, you know, uh, pocket passers. You know, when you're that accurate, and if if they can build the team around him, then I definitely think he can move into that. I don't think he's just like, oh, nope, he's QB eighteen every year or anything like that. So <laughs> I, I I think there is some safety involved with him. Uh, obviously, the team invested in, in him. Uh, we're taking him at QB five here, which is pretty nice in a you know to say in a rookie draft that you're taking somebody at QB five at, at ten uh, overall. But uh, you know I think there's a little bit of upside that maybe we uh, you know we haven't really thought about or like a lot of people aren't talking about. And then like I said you know but even then I might still bump him down if we had some better landing spots with these other players. All right, so that is going to bring us to our so our wide receiver two, and that is going to be. Jalen Waddle, he's coming in at number eleven for us, and it's uh, it's somebody that I moved up because of the draft, because of the landing spots I was just talking about with these other players. It's uh, I had Bateman at three, and I had Devontae Smith at two for the longest time, but we just saw Waddle go to one of the better. Spots at least for you know the players that we did see in that first, you know, round for second round of wide receivers, and uh, you know, obviously, there there's a positional opening there where they need wide receivers. They have a young, good quarterback that hopefully will only get better as he progresses in the NFL and, and progresses in that offense. Uh, seems like they have a, a good system around them. The whether it's the GM whether it's the head coach they're all kind of doing the right things saying the right things, uh, drafting the right way, and uh, and building around Tua building around Jalen Waddle, so I I think you know obviously there's a little bit of risk involved with Waddle because uh, you know he he doesn't have the greatest production profile you know it's it's obviously a very incomplete profile, um, but that being said the model wouldn't pick up on him if he wasn't doing very good things in the little, uh, the limited amount of time that he was doing it, but yet it did because he was obviously producing very well. He was, he, he was a uh, very explosive, you know, he was putting up uh, a lot of points PPR points and, and things that, that, that the model picks up on. And I kind of expect the same thing in the NFL. And so that's why we're sitting here with Waddle at wide receiver two and 11th overall.
1: Yeah. And as you said, like his production profile isn't very complete, but what he was doing this year, or at least what he was on pace to do this year, um, matching Devonta Smith, basically, as far as domination within that offense, as far as market share, dominator rating, et cetera, he was on this tremendous pace. And then, of course, the injury, which he actually bounced back very fast from. um, I was impressed by that, that's for sure. So And I also don't really have long-term concerns about the injury, which is nice. But Jalen Waddell, um, reuniting with Tua there, I really think that he's more of a versatile weapon compared to previous Alabama guys. He's not uh, Henry Ruggs. He's a much more versatile weapon who can be used inside, outside, who is very much more elusive as far as the film that I've watched on him. And... I mean, it's too bad that we didn't get to see that full um, season of consistency from him, but I don't have doubts. We have to project a bit. There's a bit more risk with him, yes, but I don't have any doubts that he would have maintained a very, very impressive pace this year. So I really like Jalen Waddell as a talent, but there is risk with him. So I understand why more risk-averse dynasty managers would be uh, rather wanting to go with Rashad Bateman, for example.
0: Yeah, exactly, and he's actually tied with Waddle, but I think for uh, you know the, for at least for my uh, reasoning, uh, putting him behind Waddle is just I feel like Waddle has a little bit more upside just with the landing spots. Um, not that I think Bateman's gonna be bad because he's with the Ravens or anything like that. I think Bateman is still like I said, Bateman was my wide receiver three up until the draft. Uh, he's now my wide receiver four. It's I didn't drastically change anything or you know, or like just completely throw him into the basement and say, you know, forget you, Bateman. But it's just uh I feel like I, I feel like there definitely is a little more upside with with the the Dolphins than with obviously uh Lamar and just the, the low passing volume of the Ravens attack. And so that's why I have Waddle one spot ahead of Bateman. Uh, we actually had a kind of flip-flop. So I mean, I guess technically you're you're one spot higher on Bateman, but uh, you know, but we ended up coming up tied in the consensus. And so uh, just the way that it worked out, we have Bateman second here.
1: All right, more safety with his profile for sure. Is an early breakout. You know, very good college production. All of those things, and I like his film as well. It's not as electric though as Jalen Waddle and like you said the offense it is going to limit him because they're such they're they're on the extreme spectrum as an offense the ravens that is as far as how much they like to run the ball and yes you could say oh maybe it's because they've had willie sneed and and these other wide receivers who aren't um, aren't so great but i don't know that the impact of one player for example rashad bateman is going to completely change their philosophy i really don't think it is because they're very successful they're up there. And as far as the amount of touchdowns that they score in the league, um, they have a lot of success on the ground. So I am a little bit worried about the Rashad Bateman um, volume. I think the target share should be pretty strong within that offense. I think he has a great opportunity to slot in as the wide receiver one there. Um, I don't have any faith at this point in Sammy Watkins pulling together a (laughs) consistent season. And then Marquis Brown seems like he's more of a number. So. I, I am excited for this Rashad Bateman landing spot, but ultimately being a wide receiver, sometimes taking longer to develop the offensive issues, that's why I have him lower than some of those top running backs and quarterbacks that we had mentioned earlier.
0: Speaking of the running backs, we have one that has made a, a pretty meteoric rise <laughs> in, in a lot of people's rankings. And, uh, and so sitting at 13, we have Trey Sermon. Um, obviously I think most of us know it's the landing spot. Uh, you know, the obviously the draft capital is probably more or higher than, than most people expected it to be. Uh, so that, that is good for his profile, but, uh, you know, also the, just the landing spot, we've seen what these running backs can do in San Fran. And, uh, you know, if, if he gets the opportunity, he very well could, uh, you know, put up just some, some really nice numbers. Uh, I guess the question would be, is he going to be the, the lead back right away? Um, I would say probably not, but you know, then again, it, how long would it actually take him uh, to take over the job? You know, if, if and when he does, um, th- they obviously did put some draft capital into him, so he's going to be on the field. I just don't know if he's going to be, you know, the if he's going to be getting an 80% opportunity share or anything like that right away. Uh, He also kind of has that incomplete profile that we were talking about where he transferred teams. And then uh, I can't remember if it was an injury related thing or if it was just the COVID season, but I don't think he played a lot of games. And um, it just, it's not the, it's definitely not the most ideal running back or profile that you would want to see from your uh, workhorse running back, if that's what you're expecting him to be. Uh, So I'm a little bit lower on him. Uh, than Aaron is here, but he's our consensus 13. And, uh, you know, why are you excited about him? Yeah.
1: So as far as why I get excited is largely landing spot. Yes, but also the draft capital and the fact that there's just not much established there, the coaching staff really wanted to invest in a running back. He has that workhorse size. He has decent enough athletic profile. So Overall, he's got a lot of things going for him. He does have that very wonky college production, and his path was strange from Oklahoma to Ohio State. And like you said, as far as production-wise, maybe red flags or at least yellow flags, you know, some caution. Um, but I really like the opportunity he's walking into. And we're not making the same mistake as far as overreacting in the same way that we did with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. C.E.H. was going as, as a first, well, within the first five picks in, in drafts last year. And it was very wild. It was a um, even more of a meteoric rise, as you phrased it. Um, but Trey Sermon here, I have a hard time. I have him in this big tier with these wide receivers. And I could definitely understand why somebody would say, yeah, he's rising a little bit too high for me. But how many times can you um, or find a running back? Uh, going into the 49ers system who they've invested in and has that potential. Um, I don't know. Right now they have a bunch of question marks there. Rohim Mostert can't stay healthy. He's undersized. He's not a workhorse back. He never has been. Uh, Jeff Wilson, same deal. He only fills in when there's injuries there. And you could go down their depth chart and say, eh, unproven, unproven, unproven. And then Trey Sermon just makes a lot of sense to step into a large role. So that's why I have him up here. Um, hopefully, you know, it doesn't sound like I'm um over to anybody, but I just wanted to illustrate why I am excited for him um as potentially a guy who you could land, you know, early second round in your super flex rookie drafts.
0: Yeah, and and just to be very clear, I have him as my running back four. Um, you know, even the model has him as as the running back four. So it's not like I'm saying you're crazy or anything like that, having where you have I'm just I'm a little bit lower on. I think for me, it's the fact that he, even though he's technically the running back four, it's mostly because of this terrible running back class, uh, where it's he's. It, you have the Etienne and Harris in tier one, and then you have Javante in tier two, and then now he's in, in tier three. Uh, so just in a matter of four running backs, you've you've gone through three tiers of, of players, and uh, so it's it's kind of hard for me when you still have these tier two, tier one, and tier two wide receivers to put Sermon over them. And, uh, even though i necessarily wouldn't fault anyone for doing it, I just don't think that I can, but, uh, you know, I feel like at 13 there, that's, that's kind of like mitigating risk and, and everything. And it's not a terrible spot, uh, to go ahead and take them there. Our next player is another one that, that we're kind of differing on here. And, and I think, you know, maybe it's the size concerns for you. It's Devonte Smith. Um, I don't know exactly, uh, you know, if that if that's it for you, because obviously I, I don't think it can be a production thing, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the man uh, produced in college. Let's just put it that way, at least at least last year. But uh, I'm I've I've been pretty high on Smith. Uh, obviously, the the size concerns are not fantastic. Um, I'm not a big BMI guy. I don't really care that much. But I also think we have to look at some of these out excuse me outliers like a Smith, like a two two and you know maybe just knock him a little bit and you know that's kind of what i've done even though i really like smith i've just kind of moved him down to to like a you know back end of the tier uh just because there are those concerns but then also i don't really love the landing spot you know like i i love the fact that he will be he will be heavily targeted within his own offense but you know we don't know exactly who jalen hurts is just yet uh we don't know what, how that team, how good that team's going to be, how bad that team's going to be, or anything like that. And so there's just concerns with, uh, you know, what the ceiling of that offense and what the ceiling of Smith is going to be. And so I've just moved him back a little bit. And, it, you know, it definitely seems like you've done a pretty similar thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I have moved him back. And it's not the simple fact that it's that low of a BMI, but just overall size in general, just that frame, just. <sighs> I I am struggling with him for sure, because I love what he puts on the field. And as a guy who does watch film, he absolutely dominates out there. He's smooth. He's a great route runner. He can get around guys in a way where you think, oh, wait, he doesn't need to be big. He doesn't need to be that physical um, to excel at the NFL level. And that might be true to a certain degree, but there's going to be instances out there where he's going to be going against guys that are much, much bigger. And, that small of a frame, we just don't see that type of receiver dominate ever at the NFL level. It just is so rare. I mean, you get Deshaun Jackson's, who's larger than him and plays completely different. Um, I don't know how Devontae Smith's going to translate. However, I'm willing to take the chance that a guy who dominated at such a high level this last year, though he did break out late, so that's another knock against him. Um, like you said, he did have that great production and he flashed. Um, on the big stages consistently. He wasn't hurt in college. So those are all good things. If he had an injury history, any nagging, things like that, um, then I'd be more concerned. But I still, I, I'm lukewarm on the landing spot as well, <laughs> but I'm still optimistic for Devontae Smith. So I'm not completely fading him by any means, but I also do want to look at that and say eh, he's kind of an outlier we're, we're expecting the outlier to hit which isn't always um at least in my opinion the best process that i like to follow um because i i have begun um, integrating the analytical components of the profile more and more into my analysis however like you said he flashes a lot and like i said i don't hate the landing spot for the eagles he can step in as their number one as far as garnering um, targets right away. So there's things to like for sure in his profile.
0: Yeah. And sitting here at wide receiver four, uh, it, it's tough for me to put at least too many of the guys below him, uh, above him, just because I feel like they all, they all have, you know, whether it's the landing spots whether you know, whether it's size concerns, whether it's uh you know, draft capital, like they all have a lot of question marks that, you know, even though he doesn't have the BMI and the size and everything, he doesn't really have those question marks. You know, he, he has the draft capital. He has, you know, he it's going to be difficult to say he's not the number one on that team. You know, like, really, I, I like Jalen reger but I don't think he's like a true number one, whereas I feel like Devontae can be. Uh, obviously, we saw him do it in college, at least. And so. It's it's hard for me to put, to bring him down too much more than, than wide receiver four, but I feel like that's a pretty safe spot where you're kind of taking some of the risk out of it, but you know also uh, you know still kind of keeping some of the upside there as well. So that was our wide receiver four. Our wide receiver five is another one that I was really excited about. Can't say I absolutely love the landing spot for him, but it's Elijah Moore. Uh, the good thing, the good news is, I think that he he plays a different role in the offense or he will play a different role in the offense than the other two receivers that are already there. Um, If anything, this is going to really hurt Jameson Crowder, but I really feel like Corey Davis and Denzel Mims are going to be able to play on the outside and do their thing. And then you're going to have Elijah Moore playing out of the slot and doing his thing. And he did really well with that. Um, But I think he also has the capability of, of playing in the outside. I don't think he's limited strictly to, the slot, so they can kind of mix it up a little bit and play everyone, uh, you know, a little differently and, and mix up the offense. But if you wanted to lock them into roles, I feel like that's pretty good. You know, you have the two on the outside and then Elijah there in the slot. And I feel like that's why I was, you know, I'm a little more excited about Zach Wilson than I was before because I feel like he they have a lot of great options right now. Uh, they added, uh, I believe, they added in the O to the O line as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so. All in all, I like I'm kind of getting excited about this jet offense, which is really weird to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, it definitely is weird to say. And, and like we said earlier, we kind of have to push our biases aside from, you know, previous regimes and, and teams and whatnot. And Washington Moore is a guy who checks so many boxes, it, it's hard not to like the guy. Um, sub so the twenty year old breakout age, his dominator rating. Um, as far as, you know, good BMI, his athleticism is there, the draft capital is solid for sure. So There's a lot to like with him. And then, like you said, he's not a guy who's only slot. Like, yes, he probably is going to be a primarily slot wide receiver at the NFL level just because of the the smaller frame. However, he did play outside some in college, who has at least some versatility there. And he flashed really good testing speed. Not that – I don't think he's slow on the field by any means. I I didn't quite see that speed um, that he (laughs) tested at on the field. However, I mean – the guy is a very good athlete too. So um, I don't mind the landing spot at all. Maybe it takes a little while to get into the groove of things um, with Jameson Crowder still being there, but maybe Crowder is just a, a casualty. Maybe he's cut from the team. Um, if Elijah Moore looks really good in training camp and I expect more to look good. So we shall see.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I they were already talking about cutting Crowder anyway, or at least people were, I don't know if the team actually was, but you know, people have been talking about him getting cut anyway. Um, that he could be like a salary cap, uh, a casualty and and things like that. So... It wouldn't surprise me at all. Don't get me wrong; like a, Crowder, Crowder's actually been a much better wide receiver than I think people give him credit for. But when you're comparing him to the wide receivers that are now on the team, I don't think you know you can really truly compare. Um, all right, so we're sitting at about fifty-five minutes now, so we got to probably start speeding things up if we want to get through these three rounds of, of <laughs> players. Uh, so we'll, yeah, we'll we'll just go uh, a little more rapid fire here with uh, our. You know, I'll, I'll kind of lump these three players together. We have, uh, for wide receiver six, seven, and eight, we have Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall, and Dimey Brown. Um, obviously, we're a little different on Marshall, but we're actually extremely close on Dimey Brown and uh, Rondell Moore. And so it's really. Um, the the martial love uh, coming from you is, is 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 bumping them up here uh but what is it about or, or how are you feeling about these three and you know the landing spots and then just the players in, in, in general
1: yeah absolutely so cardinals landing spot for rondell moore i think it's money i think aj green's just about washed up he's just about done i don't know what larry's doing But I know what Christian Kirk has done recently. It's not much. And then, yes, we have Nuke there. So I really see a a nice opportunity for Rondell Moore to step up. And then maybe as far as just one season away, once Kirk goes away, once A.J. Green goes away, once Fitz is gone, um, easily is the number two in that offense. And kind of just a a weapon for Kyler Murray to use all over the field. So I am excited for that Cardinals landing spot. I think his frame... A little bit of lack of down the field success in college um, is reason for slight concern with Rondell Moore, but not bad. And then as far as Diami Brown, don't know if I love the Washington football team as a landing spot there. I don't know long term what their quarterback solution is going to be, but he has a really good profile. He got day two draft capital, so I'm happy with that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then Terrace Marshall's a guy who also got that day um, two draft capital by the Panthers, and I'm actually just really excited for his size. His physicality and he's actually kind of an explosive athlete i mean he's not just a big jump ball type of guy so i don't know how he's gonna slot in but i do know that this likely pushes dj Moore to the slot so we love that um as fantasy uh managers who own or have shares of um dj Moore. but yeah i i'm quietly excited for this terrace marshall landing spot I don't know long-term either about their quarterback situation. It, it was too bad that they maybe passed on um, some talented quarterbacks. But, yeah, I like Terrace Marshall a lot as a talent. And he really showed us in college this year like, how dominant he can be.
0: Yeah, I really hope that they're right about Sam Darnold at this point because it's gonna screw a lot of people over with their uh, with with their DJ Moore shares, the Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, even maybe even CMC. You know, um, it might even hurt the offense as a whole, and so I it, it, it's a little concerning. Like I like Darnold as a, or I've always liked Darnold as that like cheap guy that you can get and get points from and that kind of thing. But when I think of like a stud QB, I don't know if he's that. And so, you know, it's definitely with with all the quarterbacks that they had in this draft and the fact that they were in the top eight and they didn't walk away with one of these QBs or an Aaron Rodgers or, you know, whoever it is. um, I just I, I don't I don't really love it. And that's actually one of the main reasons why I'm a little bit lower on Marshall than you are. Uh, I completely agree with you about Moore. I love Rondo Moore being in that position. I would not have been excited about Moore if he had to be the number one or even like the the locked in number two. I feel like he can be like the number three. I don't want to say gadgety, but like Swiss Army knife kind of guy uh, for this offense and give a he's going to give Kyler more explosion, uh, you know, and and just make the offense that much better. But you know he's going to be able to. We know he's going to well maybe I shouldn't say we know, but I I feel like he should be able to take it to the house with his speed, with his agility and and, and things of that nature Um, with, like I said, Marshall, I don't, I definitely don't hate the landing spot for him. I feel like they, they kind of have that need of like the, the speedy over the top kind of, you know, guy um, and, and everything. But I just hope that they use DJ more properly. Like you said, move him to the (laughs) slot, do that kind of thing. And, um, and maybe give Marshall that, you know, that, uh, stretch the field kind of position. They were trying to uh, force DJ Moore into last year. Um, we, I guess we're all kind of banking on that offense and that's those coaches being like geniuses and everything. So I kind of hope they (laughs) prove us right here this year. And then with Dimey, it's just, um, I really feel like it's just one of those things where there's just not much there. You you have Terry McLaurin. Uh, I'm not that excited about Curtis Samuel. I don't know about you, but I, I feel like, he slots in as the number two very easily in that offense. Now, like you said, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be a long-term and, and things. So we can't be overly excited about it, but here at wide receiver eight at 18th overall, like I'm, I've actually, uh, like I said, I'm in what, five, six uh, rookie drafts. I've taken him like three or four times today. So, you know, I've definitely <laughs> been getting me some Dimey Brown. I, maybe I'm a little higher than him uh, on him than, than most, but, uh, I just think that, like, especially if they can get a a QB in their long term, that uh, I I definitely like his profile. And, uh, you know, it it seems like he kind of slots in perfectly there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely – and I like Curtis Samuel a decent amount, but I I think that there's still an opportunity absolutely for Diami Brown to slot in as as the number two type of guy in that offense, at least long term. So, yep, I like him.
0: So – uh, at number 19, we have Michael Carter, who's the running back. Obviously, the the uh, Javante Williams teammate we were talking about before goes to the Jets. We were talking about the Jets uh, earlier, how they're kind of getting a little more exciting. And even though I don't necessarily love Carter's profile with his size, uh, I never thought he was going to be a true workhorse or anything like that. But yet, there's really no one else on this team. And so it's kind of <laughs> hard to not have him here at running back five because... Like who are you going to move ahead of him? You know, it's it's just it, it's it really is tough. Um, but th- like I said, there are the size concerns. There are uh, he he does, he's he's a lot slower. He's not as athletic as I thought he was going to be. Uh, you know, the the production was was there, uh, but yet same thing with Javante. Like he he always had somebody else there. He was never able to take over and be the guy and, and thing like things like that. Uh, if it wasn't for this terrible running back class. And then he's probably not sitting here in the second round. He's you know he's probably more of like I'd say like in an average year he's probably like a normal like third round rookie uh, prospect. But this year <laughs> we got to deal with what we have, and uh, and so we have Carter here uh, sitting at running back five. What do you think of Carter?
1: Yeah, I think in this draft class it's fine to have him here, but then you look at the range of outcomes because a lot of times when you're drafting guys, let's say in the second or even getting into the third, you say what is the true upside with this guy? And at the end of the day, I don't think any of us are expecting him to become this workhorse back. He's never going to be a top 10 dynasty back, um, or at least the probability is very low that he ends up with that type of outcome. At his size, I mean, he's at 200 to 205, I believe, and he's pretty much maxed out at that size. And yes, he's very versatile, but I mean, fourth round draft capital, that's not exactly so strong. You, you definitely see a, a drop off in hit rates with, uh, fourth round of later so yes he's going to walk into opportunity but just who knows as far as how much relevance he's going to have this year he'll have a role most likely because the rest of the guys on that roster really haven't um, been invested in heavily by the team so I definitely think he's kind of one of those meh options where the upside really isn't that high but at the end of the day options are running out at this point in the draft so <laughs> If you're having to land him in, in the late second round, I understand why fantasy managers are, are looking to do that.
0: Yep. All right. So, uh, Pat Fryermuth is the next player. going to try and run through these a little bit quicker here. Uh obviously the, the tight end to, uh, Pitts is going at what, uh, eighth overall for us. And now we're sitting at uh, 20th overall and we're doing our tight end two. I feel like, you know, he, he got decent draft capital. I believe it was the, towards the end of the second round, uh, going to the Steelers. Uh, there's a lot to like. And then I guess there's, there's certain things that you don't love, you know, would like I said, big Ben being big Ben and, uh, they just, they just extended Mason Rudolph another year, which is kind of like, uh, concerning, you know, like is, is, is he truly the future of the franchise or are they just trying to have a backup in place? I guess, you know, maybe that's, that's all it is, but, um, uh, it doesn't seem like they have like a true replacement plan in place for big Ben. So that's a little concerning with Fryermuth, but when you're talking about here, you know, getting closer to the end of the second round, um, I definitely like his profile enough to where I'm, I'm willing to take a shot on him here.
1: Yep. I'm there with you. He, he was a good college player for sure. I know this last season didn't turn out as well as we would have liked, but that's the case with a lot of prospects. We have a lot of incomplete profiles this year and he got second round draft capital. So medically he must be cleared. And as far as yes, yep. Ebron is go- also going to be, Involved in that offense. So that gives me a little pause year one, but I like Pat Firemove's talent. So long term, we, we know that tight ends take a while to develop. So I'm okay investing in him in rookie drafts. Uh, second might be a little bit costly, um, but at the end of the day, talent's starting to dry up and, and he's a pretty nice uh, tight end prospect.
0: Yeah, and I feel like we're kind of getting into like the next tier of players here. And so um... You know, I, I could I could see putting them down a little bit further than this, but really I feel like you start getting into the a lot of these wide receivers are going to get really risky or really like, uh you know they might they might be like a fifty fifty chance to hit you know at this point like you can't really guarantee too much, uh so we'll go ahead and go through them pretty quick because we have a, a run of wide receivers here, um we have the wide receiver 9, 10, 11, and twelve Amon Ross St Brown. Tutu Atwell, which I know you're not the biggest fan of, <laughs> Kadarius Toney, and then Tylan Wallace. Basically, the biggest outliers here, I was higher on Tutu, you were, uh, and I was also higher on Tylan Wallace. So it seems like you're pretty uh, down on the landing spot there, maybe, for uh, for Wallace also going to Baltimore.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's draft capital related for Tylan Wallace, unfortunately, falling into that fourth round. I yeah. just thought that was that was really unfortunate. Plus, he also gets the Ravens, so him and Rashad Bateman got to battle that out, and it really shows. It really shows you what they think about Rashad Bateman in comparison to Tylen Wallace there. So, not that I, I liked Tylen Wallace pre-draft, but I, I just eh, I'm I'm more skeptical of it now. So that's why I am a bit lower on him. But still, at, at the end of the day, he is a guy who has a lot of talent. So I'm moving him down, but not off my board completely or anything. And then Tutu Atwell, it's simply a size thing, and he's not as refined as I would like. I, I don't think he's as polished of a guy compared to let's say uh, a Marquise Hollywood Brown coming out um, into college. I don't believe that Tutu Atwell has that much refinement to his game. However, he has a lot of athleticism. The metrics uh, check out with him. It just depends if you're willing to invest in a guy who's maybe one 160 pounds, like in in that range at least. So. Um, there's not much precedent for that, so again, I'm a little wary of the outlier aspect to it. And then also Amon Ross St. Brown landing with the Lions. Um, Yes, he didn't get day two capital. He got right at the beginning of the fourth round, I believe, but that's solid enough. He's going to soak up some targets there. And then also, um, Darius Tony going in the first round of the NFL draft. I'm sure there's listeners out there who are like, wow, why are you guys on him? But if you look at the The complete profile, if you look just past the simple draft capital, which has its importance, of course, but you look at what he did in college, He's very inconsistent with injuries, and then um, just his playing in general was inconsistent. Um, He's a nice weapon for an offense, but as far as a consistent fantasy producer, I don't see him being that. So I don't know what you think about those guys, but those are my quick thoughts.
0: Yeah, honestly, real quick, Amunra, ra I wasn't overly – high on him, you know, going into the draft. I felt like, or I should say, I felt like I was lower than him um, on him than most. But, uh, you know, the landing spot was decent because there's no one else there. Uh, so, the, you know, that's definitely nice. The draft capital wasn't quite there, but uh, he doesn't have much to, uh, you know, like much uh, as far as competition. With 2-2, you know, I definitely understand the size concerns. And, but, you know, the the NFL, the Rams, spent second round draft capital on it. And I'm not saying that the NFL always gets it right. And definitely I'm not saying the Rams always get it right because they just spent second round draft capital on another player that was absolutely terrible last year. So, uh, but I feel like this was their way of saying like, Hey, we screwed up. Van Jefferson sucks. We need to get another wide receiver in here as our third wide receiver. And then they did it again. So like, they're kind of doubling down or, or, you know, like at least admitting their mistake. Maybe I'm wrong, but I end up being a little bit higher on Tutu because of that. Um, Even though I definitely get the concerns with the size and and everything. I mean, I, I I was bigger than him when I was like a freshman in high school. So I I completely get the size concerns. Tony, I'm not excited about Tony at all. You have to have him on your board, but I'm not going to like, even at, at wide receiver 11 here at 23 overall, like, somebody's always going to draft him before me. So like, I'm perfectly fine with that. If he, if he slides to wide receiver 23 or or 23 overall, I mean, wide receiver 11, I will absolutely take him. And I'll just say, you know what? At least I got my one share of Kadarius Tony, but I just don't see that happening very often. Uh, And then Tylan. Yeah. I mean, the draft capital is not there. The, the landing spot isn't the greatest. I had a lot of hype, uh, a lot of hope for Tylen Wallace, but it didn't really work out. But I still like his profile enough to where you know I like I like him being here at that wide receiver twelve spot, um, you know, it, being in uh, you know at, right at the end of the second round. Like I'm pretty pretty okay with that. Um, you know, I might bump up a couple of guys. Like uh, Hunter Long is our next uh, next guy. He actually has moved up substantially for me throughout the process because. I didn't even know who he was uh, to begin with. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, he just kind of moved up and moved up. And I actually had him ahead of uh, Brevin Jordan uh, right before the draft. But then I was just going to see what happened in the draft. Uh, Just, you know, like obviously if Jordan goes in like the second round and Hunter Long goes in like the fifth or something, then, you know, that that doesn't work out. But it ended up being kind of the opposite of that. And uh, Hunter Long got, you know, pretty good draft capital. I think it was third round, if I remember correctly. And that's correct. uh, and then Brevin, I believe, got fifth round draft capital. So, uh, not exactly what we were looking for uh, for for Brevin. But I feel like people were hoping he was going to be athletic, and then he just didn't truly show in that much athleticism, and it really just hurt his profile. Uh, so, Brevin really shot down after the draft uh, for me. Uh, I, I honestly don't even know exactly where he is, but I know he is not up here. But uh, Hunter Long, I, I definitely like him. I feel like he's He's pretty close to that Pat Fryermuth, and in fact, I might even consider Hunter Long over him, over Fryermuth, even though that seems a little crazy to say, Um, but, or maybe I'll just be like, I'll be very happy to get Hunter Long instead of Fryermuth, you know, like, wait, I'll, I'll take one of these wide receivers or running backs where I would take Fryermuth and then I'll just get Long, you know, in like in the late second, early third round.
1: Yeah, I like that. And I do think that you could get Hunter Long maybe later into the third as well. So as far as anybody who's drafting right now, like I haven't participated in, in my drafts quite yet as far as rookie drafts go, but I think long is a guy that you should be targeting more in that third range. As far as like if you're forced to pick a guy at that late second level, I'm currently trading out of that spot, especially if some of these talented guys we talked about they're not falling. I'm actually okay just trading out of late second into anywhere in the third and just picking up future capital, picking up other assets, um, whatever it be. But yeah, Hunter Long, he's solid, a decent landing spot with the Dolphins, but I just, I don't know if he's going to be even the lead tight end there, but give it some time. Maybe he'll develop into that.
0: Yeah, I just think, you know, Gusicky hasn't really shown that he can like truly take over or be like the guy for them. And so they obviously wanted somebody else. They gave him decent draft capital, um, and you know, maybe they want to go to more two-tight end sets uh, you know, I don't know exactly what their plan is, but I feel like here at the end of the second, beginning of the third, you know, you're, you're there's not too much risk involved with it. Um, all right. So we'll run through the this list of guys in the third round uh, pretty quickly. Uh, we have uh, Kyle Trask at 26, Kenny Gainwell at 27, Dwayne Eskridge, Kellen Mond, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, Nico Collins, Des Fitzpatrick, Brevin Jordan. There he is. I, I knew he'd be there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then we have Amir Smith-Marset and then Kylan Granson uh, finishing up the, the third round. Is there anyone that like truly stands out there uh, for you? I know, like I said, it starts getting a little wonky with uh, trying to have consensus picks because one guy has them at 30, one guy has them at 50 and, and, and all that. But uh, anyone that truly stands out there?
1: Yeah, um, there's a couple of guys. So I will... Touch on one guy who wasn't on the list as well, and then I'll go back to those other guys. But Amari Rodgers getting third round draft capital going to the Packers. I think that's actually solid. As far as a prospect overall, yes, he broke out late. And part of that was injury earlier in his career. But at the same time, yeah, we should be a little bit hesitant with that. However, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is treating him um, with any degree of respect, you know, he's going to get some valuable targets, assuming that Rodgers is there. We we don't know for sure, but yeah,
0: that's that's a a big question mark right now,
1: (laughs) right? But I mean, whoever's there has to have a number two target, and we know that Adams is going to eat, but there has to be somebody that that you'd think that could be working underneath more. So, anyways, I am somewhat optimistic for him in in somewhere in the third round of drafts, but from the guys you mentioned, yes, there was some running backs there: Chuba Hubbard, Gainwell. I'm not extremely excited for that, but the nice thing about Hubbard is that he likely slots in directly as, as the Christian McCaffrey replacement. And I don't have concerns about McCaffrey this season, but CMC um, takes on that large workload, and you never know. Running back is such a physical um, position, and <clears throat> excuse me, if Hubbard um, does get an opportunity to come in, he can command very, very valuable touches, so he could be a nice uh, handcuff for sure.
0: Yeah, especially in the like what mid third round, late third round here, you know, like they're I'm, I'm not overly concerned. People were talking about him being, you know, like a early second round pick at, at one point. I think the draft capital and and you know how these teams felt about him kind of you know dictated that that was not going to be the case. I'm kind of interested because you were much lower on Ramondre Stevenson than I am, um, and so but you know you still kind of you still have him there in the in the third round. Uh, but I just was wondering, is it just the player in in, uh, in general, or is it the landing spot? Is it a little bit of everything for you?
1: Yeah, the Patriots—they just have such a. Maybe it's recency bias a bit, but they have such a crowded backfield. It's just a mess. Today they said that they're going to ride Harris, and it's going to be Michelle this year, and then they also have James White, and then you you factor in you know JJ Taylor, whoever else they want to bring in. So then. You see fourth-round draft capital doesn't inspire a ton of confidence for me with Ramondre, who I was already kind of low on. Like, he was a good college runner, but then when you look at NFL, he's nothing special, and his athleticism is a question. Maybe his – I I have heard other people question his work ethic, um, being able to keep off weight, things like that. I'm not saying that I question that, but there's just enough concerns. I I can find a lot of things, unfortunately, that caution me for him. So – I could take him in the third as kind of a flyer, but I'm a bit hesitant on his profile. Yep.
0: Yeah. I think one of the big things for me is just, like I said, there's not that many good running backs in this draft. And so I feel like once you start getting into the third, if you want, or if you need some running backs, then maybe that's why I would lean a little bit more towards him. uh, Because he's one of the few guys left that has a little bit of draft capital and size, um, yeah, he's not the most athletic guy or anything like that, but he has a decent amount of production. He has the size and, you know, he's on a team that we know has definitely used, uh, you know, goal line backs in, in the past. And, you know, I'm not saying that just because it happened a couple years ago or a few years ago that it can happen again. But, um, we also see that no one's truly stood out, like you said, um, in, in that backfield. And so if, uh, I believe it's JJ Zacharyson's always talking about like ambiguous ambiguous backfields and like that's what you're looking for with these running backs. And so in the third round, I'm willing to to take a shot on him and just hope for the best. If Mac Jones can make that team better, if they can just get better overall, then maybe eventually he could be something. Because I don't think Michelle's going to be there much longer. I don't think uh, even Damien Harris is like a lock to be the guy or anything like that for a long period of time. So. Uh, just give me that uh, ambiguous nature of the backfield and, and I'll, you know, at least take a shot on it here because we're running out of running backs. You know, it's the Ramondres, the Chubas, <laughs> like there's not too much else.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, maybe the move here is is to move for future picks. I mean, I know the 2022 yeah. class isn't as promising um, as some would hope, but there is some underrated guys for sure that are going to step up. And then the 23 class is great. So, um, Perhaps you go that route if you really don't like the running backs here and or the wide receivers.
0: Yeah. Now, what about the QBs here in the third round, in the fourth round, uh, you know, wherever it is? Like, where do you start get feeling? Obviously, we, we already talked about Trask at uh, 26 overall, but then I think you were a little bit higher on Mond. Um, he went to uh, Minnesota, right? Is that yep. why? Cause he, is it a homer pick for you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it's because I don't love Kirk Cousins. Um, it, it's going to be hard for us to get out of his contract, but Kellen Mond going to the Vikings, um, sitting there just developing for a while. I think that's just a long-term bet, just, just like people who were taking Jordan Love um, when he went to the Packers. And Kalamon does have that rushing upside, so I think he's a bit raw. Don't love him as a prospect, but hey, Chris Sims, the guy who knows a lot more than me, had him as what QB four or something. Um,
0: <laughs> I think it was higher <laughs> than that. Yeah,
1: maybe QB two. Uh, it was crazy, but yeah. So I like him, but I kind of have him. Then Trask, who went to the Bucs at the end of the second, that was interesting. And then Davis Mills, um, out of Stanford, who went in the third to the Texans. That's promising as well so those guys have potential opportunities within the next two years and I I like that for various reasons so maybe none of those guys are super high upside future superstars or anything like that but at least in in a super flex league you got to consider some quarterbacks um, at some point especially with how thin sometimes people's rosters get you got to reach for your quarterbacks so those are potential upside quote unquote upside um selections that people could consider
0: yeah absolutely now are, do you think you would be prioritizing uh those quarterbacks in particular like those three over like any of the remaining wide receivers and running backs or are you or do you think you would uh really consider them more in like the fourth or fifth
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I am prioritizing them at some point in the third. Just depends who drops. So if Amari Rogers is still there, if even Nico Collins I'm considering, we didn't really talk about him, but he's out of Michigan, uh, didn't play this past season, but then he ended up getting drafted in the third round by the Texans. And that's intriguing just because of the depth chart there and his potential for an alpha role. I mean, he's he's a very large um, wide receiver, but he also has some decent movement skills as well, and decent ball skills, I should add. So he's intriguing there. So I mix him and those uh, quarterbacks there in the third round. I just think that quarterback is a better position to um, take a shot on than some of these these wide receivers with really questionable profiles, um, like a Dwayne Eskridge guy who was really late breakout, and, yes, there's reasons for it. He got um, day two of draft capital, so that's good for Eskridge. But at the end of the day – I'm still not sold on, on that guy as a prospect. So, um, in that third round there, it's kind of a big tier, but I do like to go quarterback sometimes in my rookie drafts.
0: And I actually don't mind Eskridge at all, but you know, when you think of it, you know, when you actually take a step back and look at, at the situation, you have, uh, Lockett just got re-signed for you know however many more years. Uh, I think for a four-year extension, if I remember correctly, and uh, then then you have DK who is only going into his third year, and I'm assuming they'll probably uh, you know they'll probably sign him or you know re-sign him at some point. Uh, I just when is Eskridge going to be anything more than, than the wide receiver three on his own team? And that's not even counting, you know, Gerald Everett or or anyone else, in, you know, that that's already on that team. So I don't I definitely don't love it. Uh, you know, we're, we're sitting here with him as our wide receiver 13. I think that's mostly because of draft capital. Um, you know, you, you kind of have to respect the draft capital game, at least to a certain extent. Maybe, you know, maybe he will be maybe they're completely going to change everything up on us. And, and they're going to have like, they're going to go crazy and they're going to let Russ cook and they're going to be thrown 50 times a game. And then we'll be excited to have the wide receiver three on that team this year. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and he's definitely talented enough to lock up the number three role. Um, I Sometimes yeah. question a little bit of his late breakout age and, and things like that. But he honestly flashed early enough in his career. I think it was 2018 where I technically was close to breaking out if he didn't break out. And then of course, he dominated this last year, but most 23-year-olds dominate in college. So um, he's a bit, eight, a bit old. He's 24 right now. But um, like yeah. you said, we can't ignore the draft capital completely. So Eskridge is an option for sure in the third round.
0: All right. So, was there anyone else that was really like truly sticking out to you um, that you like wanted in the fourth or fifth rounds? Uh, you know, that you just know like no one else really truly cares about them, but I'm going to take them no matter what.
1: Yeah. So, I messaged our, our friend um, Dave Wright, Spaceman, um, <laughs> about a couple really deep running back sleepers. And a guy who ended up in a good spot is Jared Dokes out of Cincinnati. He went in the seventh round to the Dolphins. That's an ambiguous backfield. Um, And he has workhorse size. He has some pass-catching ability. I think that's interesting. And then Elijah Mitchell going in the sixth round to the 49ers. He was kind of a a riser, at least in the NFL draft community and and fantasy football community. A lot of people caught on to him after impressive pro day numbers, and he has enough size to be able to step in as, as a lead back. So that's intriguing for the 49ers. And then also just Javion Hawkins a little bit later. Um, he's a small back out of Louisville, but he landed as an undrafted free agent for the Falcons. That's intriguing because that backfield has basically nobody. Um, Mike Davis, I guess, right now, which yeah. I, could, <laughs> I could see them re-signing Gurley. I could see them signing Bell, something like that. But um, They don't have much there right now. And then also Stevie Scott. So you mentioned earlier, Elvin Kamara always shares with somebody. Well, Stevie Scott signed as an undrafted free agent to the Saints. And we know that Latavius Murray, I mean, he's probably 32 years old, I want to say. So maybe Stevie Scott takes on the Latavius role um, just as a really late round dart throw. But a um, couple of guys that I'm somewhat interested there in running backs, at least.
0: Now, I have no idea how to say his name. Maybe you will, because I think he, he went to your, your home team. But uh, what about uh, Kini Nwangwu? Um Running back, I believe he went to the Vikings uh in the I, I want to say it was in the third round. Is that right? Yeah, it was
1: fourth round. It, it fourth was round. so early, I was yeah, I was surprised to see that. But it sounds like well overall as a team we're very desperate for kick returners. And he's a good kick returner. Um uh, so that's that's essentially yeah, what motivated that pick that early. So I, I still think that he slots in number three on that depth chart behind Cook and, and Madison. So um, unfortunately, the draft capital was a little little deceiving there. You see a, a running back pop out of nowhere in the fourth. Yeah. But, um, you know, he has athletic upside for sure. So I guess you could keep an eye on him, um, especially like, if you have five rounds in your rookie draft or something. You can always take yeah, a flyer it, on him.
0: Absolutely. Like, I don't think too many people are going to be drafting him early, um, unless, you know, maybe you're a Delph- Delvin Cook owner and you, you want to kind of like – you know, have, you already have Madison. You just want to make sure you have every running back, uh, you know, to, to take all that uh, risk out of it. Um, one of the guys that I was pretty excited about going into the draft and not so much after, cause he didn't, he didn't get the draft capital I was hoping for uh, was uh, Simi semi Fahoko. And um, but, and, and the other thing was, was the landing spot. You know, it's, it's not, not that it's a bad landing spot because the offense is, is good. The offense is going to be good but uh you know going to the to the Cowboys unless he can take the the third spot from Michael Gallup which I mean I guess is always a possibility Uh, I don't think Gallup is like completely locked on that role but at the same time I would definitely think it would take quite a bit for him to take that role from Gallup he's definitely not taken over from CD and he's definitely not taken over from Amari uh so it's not the greatest landing spot but um he was kind of one of the guys that I was like really going to be looking at in like the uh, maybe even like the third round, the fourth round, uh, possibly. But now I'm probably thinking more like fifth round, you know, just flyer, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe even just undrafted. Like, honestly, I have a list of guys that I probably I loved before the draft and they just didn't get the draft capital. And so if I have the roster spots, I'll probably just drop some of these you know veterans that I'm never going to you know, use and just take a shot on on some of these guys, you know.
1: Yeah, take a shot on a Tamorian Terry or a Seth Williams yeah. or you know somebody like that, and and we can pour what out, you know, for those couple guys who didn't get drafted or got <laughs> drafted. Apparently, Seth Williams got drafted by the Broncos to play special teams, I hear. But I, I actually think that he could end up playing wide receiver there because he's pretty talented. But, yeah.
0: That's and that's why I want to add some of these guys to my team uh, to my uh, rosters because I feel like the NFL just really just. I don't know that they got it right, and that doesn't really matter. You know, it doesn't matter what I think, obviously, and it doesn't matter. Uh, all that matters is if these players are going to get on the field. But I feel like because they had the incomplete profiles from you know from the incomplete t- uh, twenty twenty seasons and uh, opt outs and injuries and and everything else that went along with twenty twenty. I just feel like it truly did affect the draft. And so some of these guys that even did you know, become undrafted or get drafted in the sixth when we thought they were going to be drafting the third or the fourth or whenever, um, they still have a chance. Now, it's a much smaller chance because they did not get that draft capital that we wanted them to. Uh, but I feel like whereas in, in previous years, I probably wouldn't even have cared. Okay, like they're at number 60 on my list i'm not adding them who cares they're never going to be anything this year i feel like there's a little bit more of a sliver of hope
1: yep totally agree and we'll see how how that pans out I see if there are these sleepers who just kind of pop out of nowhere as undrafted free agents there's definitely some interesting ones out there so there's some interesting late round guys too who could step up um who knows
0: Yeah. And obviously we, we couldn't, I mean, we only had about, you know, what 24 or 48 hours to truly process all this. So like we didn't even get into uh, truly get into the fourth round and the fifth round and all that. We'll have plenty of time to do all that, but we wanted to get you guys at least the first three rounds so you guys can get in your rookie drafts. And after that, like I said, they're all kind of, shots in the dark and and you know flip a coin and just figure out who the hell you want uh i I wish i could guarantee that somebody from the fourth or fifth is going to hit for you but i definitely cannot do that but hopefully it's helped you uh get prepare for your drafts and uh, good luck let me hear who you're drafting i would love to uh i can definitely go over it. i'll I'll put some posts out of uh who i've been drafting in all my drafts Uh, it's been kind of hectic doing six all at the same time including a startup it's uh it's been, uh, it's, it's been hectic to say the least, <laughs> but I appreciate you jumping on with me, Aaron. Um, obviously, like I said, I, I do, I really do appreciate your rankings and, and your, uh, your film analysis uh, going into the analytics approach that I, uh, and that I bring and, uh, you know, trying to mesh it a little bit and, and get you guys the, the best rankings that we possibly can. I'll definitely have Aaron back on here pretty soon obviously we'll be doing a Debbie devotional, uh, here pretty soon. You can actually go back and listen to his, uh, Debbie devotional part two, talking about the 2022, uh, running, running back class. And then he's going to be putting out the wide receivers and then eventually the, the quarterbacks as well. Right.
1: Yeah, definitely. The plan is to get out some more uh, running backs and then you have wide receivers for sure. So
0: very, very excited
1: for that and and excited to hop on here again. Thanks again for having me, John. really appreciate it.
0: Well, like I said, you know we'll be back uh, talking about some of these uh, later round rookies uh, next week, but for now we're cashing out.